Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics. It's our mission to help you play, progress, and perform at this incredible game of Warhammer 40K, keeping sportsmanship and fair play at its absolute core. I'm your host, Dave Colmel, a trucker on this 40K highway, a reasonable guy who's just experiencing some very unreasonable things. But like I told my last wife, I says, honey, I never drive faster than I can see. Besides that, it's all in the reflexes. As always, I am joined by my, or not as always, but yet again, uh, coming back to help me out here uh, is my good friend and 40K uh, coach with the Death Watch coach, who has himself moved on to other factions this year. Uh, it is Michael Costello. Uh, he is the, uh, he's going to be the wang to my Jack Burton today. So, uh, Mike, how's it going? Hey, I'm good. Looking forward to this. Uh, Chaos Knight's been out for a bit now, um, and everybody's thinking, you know, what can they do if I see them at an event? What do I do? Uh, we've talked about Imperial Knights. Um, why are they different? And can they fit into other armies? I'm just very excited. We love big robots. Um, they look so cool, and the conversion opportunities are amazing. Yeah, they do. I think that's the one of the big lures for Chaos over Imperial Knights is the fact that there's so many great conversion opportunities, whereas, you know, with Imperial, you everybody sort of wants everything to be dress right dress and, you know, well, this is what they're supposed to look like because we're, we're the good guys and we're supposed to look a certain way. Whereas Chaos is like, I'm going to slap some dead bodies on here. I'm going to put some skulls over here. <laughs> and, you know, you, you can really dig into all of your leftover um, uh, bits and bobs and, uh, you know, really do up your, your models in a, in, a, in a more, there's a lot more modeling freedom, I feel like, with uh, chaos side stuff. So certainly I, I was looking at chaos nights and going maybe next year, because like you said, who doesn't love giant robots and the modeling opportunities are fantastic. Speaking of modeling opportunities, uh, let's acknowledge our uh, sponsor siege studios. Uh, siege uh, is the place to go. If you are in the UK and you need to uh, get your models custom painted and they will do custom models. There's, there's actually some great stuff this week on their Instagram page showing some of their, their custom conversions. So, uh, please uh, check out Siege Studios and Siege. Thank you for continuing to sponsor our podcast, uh, Mike. What's the deal with um, Academy pre pre enrollments open now? Right. Uh, that's right. Yeah. So um, you can sign up to the waiting list. Uh, the Academy launches on the fourth of July. Uh, suitable. Um, also Jake's birthday. For anybody that listening that knows Jake's. Um, so yeah, big day the fourth of July. Um, yeah, get get in there. Get on the waiting list. Loads of exciting stuff. Um, check out some of the Insta posts um, regarding the opening. You'll see some sort of the, con the concepts that we cover in the academy. Um, and then if you go through our YouTube as well, there are some um, sneak peeks of actual lessons in there. So uh, if you want to taste, that's where you should go. Um, but definitely get on that list. Awesome. Very cool. And uh, a big reason to, to join the academy is everybody sort of knows, even though it hasn't been officially announced, everybody's you know eagerly anticipating. Uh, the release of the next uh, Grand Tournament book, um, the Warzone Nephilim book that uh, Warhammer Community previewed a, a few weeks ago. Uh, it's June. We're halfway through the year. It's it's the time. So it's just we're all kind of chomping at the bit, assuming GW is going to drop that new Nephilim book soon. So, And as soon as it comes out, you're going to want to be in the Academy so you can get brushed up on on the ins and outs and the real details and get some advantages when playing those new missions. So. Definitely check out the Academy if uh, you are not already a member or a, a past student. So, uh, And also, please uh, like, share, subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. 
we don't. I, I, uh, Steve's the one that gets all the reviews, so I have don't have one to read out this week, unfortunately. But we will definitely do some catching up next week, just so people know. Uh, Steve has been burning the candle at all three ends. Uh, we are, um, yes, we are doing Chaos Knights this week without having yet finished Imperial Knights. We're playing catch up, so there's a lot of stuff that came out very quickly. Um, and we will get back to part two of Imperial Knights uh, hopefully later this uh, this next week. So uh, just hold on, um, there, Imperial Knight pilots. We're we're getting back to you. Don't we have not forgotten? I have not forgotten. Uh, but we got to roll forward, and uh, there's so much content we got to put out right now that uh, we just got to keep this uh, keep this truck rolling on down the road. So uh, in the meantime, if you want to find us on social media, if you want to um, complain at me about uh, not finishing Imperial Knights or whatever. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Infantry Lawyer. You can find uh, Steve on uh, Instagram at, at The Vanguard Tactics. Mike's on there at Mike underscore VT, or is it VT underscore Mike? VT underscore Mike. VT underscore Mike. Yeah. So, uh, and then uh, you can find us on there and you can send us messages and let us know how we're doing. And of course, uh, send in rules lawyer questions and all those sorts of things. But again, this is a, a, a fairly hefty codex review so we're going to uh, skip over rules lawyer this week and get right into the detachment abilities for chaos knight so mike let's talk about traitorous lances okay so this would be very similar to your imperial lances so are we starting with the uh the abilities you get for traitorous lance uh yes about we're talking about the super heavy detachment um and the uh, let's see, in a, if the detachment's super heavy, um, you're playing a combat patrol battle, and your detachment's super heavy auxiliary. Uh, one war dog class, abhorrent class, or tyrant class model in this detachment um, gains the character keyword. It's just like Imperial Knights, right? Yep, exactly like that. So basically, if you take a super heavy detachment um, or a super heavy auxiliary uh, in a combat patrol game, then one of the the models is going to be a character. Pretty straightforward, great, because that's probably going to be your Warlord, um, and then you start using your, your, your stratagems and things. Okay, so important bits here. So if this detachment contains between one and two abhorrent class models, so that's your Questorus, your Big Knights, 24 wound ones, or if it contains between three and five Wardog class, so that's your Armagers, then the command benefits are plus three. So let's quickly roll back to the original command, um, the detachment. Um, it's minus three CP if you want to run a super heavy detachment, uh, but it becomes minus six if you run anything Titanic in that detachment. Okay, so if you're running three to five war dogs in your super heavy detachment, you get your plus three CP back. So it's free. Um, if you run between one and two big knights and maybe a unit war dogs in this detachment, you're going to get your three CP back. However, it's still going to cost you three CP. Um, because the command attachments changed to six, um, the command point loss is minus six if you take a Titanic in that attachment. So basically, you're going to want to do probably the next thing. Um, if this detachment contains three or more abhorrent class, so three or more big knights, or if it contains six or more little knights and one or more big knights, then you get plus six command points. Now. What this means is basically if you take three big knights, you're going to get your CP back. Or if you take one big knight and at least six war dogs, you'll get all your CP back, which tends to be the kind of thing that we're seeing anyway. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you're going to do this, you're going to lean all the way into it and you're going to make sure that you've got uh, as many 
big nights and little nights. Although it seems to me from what I've seen from uh, lists um, on BCP and I had a, uh, uh, even the, uh, I had a, a practice game against Chaos Knights a couple of weeks ago against uh, Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative because uh, he lives not too far from me. And we, uh, uh, he put down one, he had one Titanic and he had something like seven or eight uh, War Dog models. It seems to be that Chaos is like one or two big ones and a lot of little ones, whereas Imperial Knights is more like three and four big knights and then a couple of small ones. Yeah, that seems to be the trend, yeah. Uh, all right, and then there's the Fallen Hero. Uh, this is uh, very like the Freeblade rule for Imperial Knights. Uh, if you're running a uh, super heavy auxiliary detachment that contains one Dreadblade unit until the end of the battle, that unit gains the Agent of Chaos keyword, so you can slip it into, um, you can soup up uh, one Chaos Knight into your um, any other Chaos-related uh, army list that you're putting together. So. Uh, and with the, we all know Chaos Space Marines is around the corners. So if you want to soup the two together, this is how you're going to do it is with this Fallen Hero rule. Yeah, nice. Um, I'm definitely looking at that with um, my Night Lords because uh, my Chaos Knights, if anybody's seen them, are themed with some Night Lord iconography on there um, if they're sort of allied. Oh, is Night Lords your, your chosen uh, Chaos Legion? Night Lords is my chosen Chaos Legion. Um, also looking at them for um, 30k, the new Horus Heresy. Oh, very cool. More news on very that cool. as that happens. Yeah, my my uh, my best friend from uh, California, uh, Matt. He uh, he's his Chaos Legion has always been Night Lords, so strong, very cool. Uh, all right, Towering Foe. This is uh, the the rule that gives uh, little knights are worth five, count as five models, and Titanic knights uh, count as ten models each for holding objectives. And then uh, let's talk about what you want to read about uh, traitorous ambitions. Yeah, we'll do. So um, all Chaos Knights with disability. Uh, eight all Chaos Knights units, etc., gain a Traitorous ambition so long as every unit in their detachment owes their allegiance to the same Traitorous household. Uh, so this means that you know if you go for one household, your whole army gets that that trait. Obviously, um, with the chapter approved changes, you can't run more than one household anyway. Um, so that's sort of by the by. But you basically go all Iconoclast um, or all Infernal, unless you have any Dreadblades in there. Uh, now, if you're all Iconoclast, excluding Dreadblades, you get the Iconoclast bonus. And if you're all Infernal, excluding Dreadblades, you get the Infernal bonus. Got it. And the uh, Iconoclast uh, bonus, household bonus, is called Conquerors Without Mercy. Uh, each time a model with this ambition fights, if it made a charge move, was charged, or performed a heroic intervention this turn, then until that fight is resolved, add one to the attacks characteristic of the model, and improve the AP of the melee weapons this model is equipped with by one. Nice. Excellent. Very nice. Very strong. Very solid, very straightforward. You want to do Infernal? Yeah, so Demonic Surge, this has changed from what it previously used to be, if anybody's familiar. Um, So in each of your command phases, each model with this ambition can use one Demonic Surge. If the model uses a Demonic Surge, you must do one of the following. Inflict one mortal wound, and roll a D3 on the table to determine your uh, buff, which you get to your next command phase. Inflict D3, mortal wounds, and then select a result uh, from the table, which you'll get to your next command phase. Now, these are, so one, you know, if you roll a one for your D3, or if you pick it, plus three to your movement characteristic. Nice, extra speedy, uh, clutch in the right moment. Uh, If you get a two, um, you get transhuman. Okay, transhuman to wound. 
So ones to threes always fail against uh, your knights. That might not seem that relevant, but on a little knight, that can be quite good. Uh, and then the last one is demonic power. Um, probably the standout one here. Uh, you select one weapon, not just ranged, uh, and each time an attack is made with that weapon, you add one to the attack's wound roll. Very nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, well, that the one game that I had, um, I had skipped over reading this page before we played. And then all of a sudden, he takes D3 wounds to a couple of his uh, war dog knights and then adds three inches. And suddenly, wow, they're in my lines first turn. That's, that's not fun. So um, this is that definitely, if you are going to play against Chaos Knights, folks, you need to pay attention and watch out for this one because this is now, granted, this is an army-wide rule or it's a, it's a command phase ability. So first turn, they can add three inches and then second turn, they can transhuman if they want to, you know, if they, they're expecting a big counterattack or something. So be, be very wary of that three-inch move add-on because when uh, a couple of war dogs who have wounds to spare come charging into your lines first turn, it's not fun at all. So, all right, uh, household bonds. Uh, this is also very similar to the, um, the bondsman ability for Imperial Knights. Uh, all Chaos Knights units that have this ability um, uh, and all the, all the units, all the models in, uh, in them gain a household bond so long as their detachment can, contains at least three models. Uh, when you muster your army and every unit in the detachment uh, is from the same dread household. This is your, your faction-wide sort of uh, super faction bonus, I guess. Uh, or, or your super doctrine. Uh, if a detachment includes any dreadblade units, uh, you uh, you must instead select a fell bond for each of them, uh, as described on page sixty four sixty five. Uh, yeah. Each dreadblade unit must have a unique fell bond, and you cannot select a fell bond for a dreadblade unit if any other unit from your army has the same one. Cool. Uh, and we'll get to those in a little bit. But this is your chapter trait essentially. Um, so this is your house house Griffith if you're imperial, uh, that kind of thing. So here, this is your this is your, you know, your chapter, your sept, that kind of thing. And dreadblades can pick sort of a custom trait um, from a table, um, but they can each dreadblade has to have a different one. Oh right, right. Oh, that's right. It's the it's the dreaded abilities that are the super. That's that's your uh, your yeah. your super doctrine. Yeah, it's confusing because they're on the the same page, just in the right. corner, and there's no sort of reference to them. Uh, I, I appreciate you covering for me, not reading. That's right. Like I that. <laughs> Thank you. You're a good friend. Uh, all right, uh, but. Dreaded abilities, uh, and there's actually a cool uh, little skull icon uh, that they've added into this book, uh, and you have to just watch for that as you're reading through the through the codex. If it's got the the little skull icon, uh, then it has it is considered dreaded, and dreaded abilities affect units within dread range. Dread range starts at 12 inches at the start of the battle, and then there they can be um, that the, that range can be changed with strats and abilities throughout the game. Um, now, interesting thing is. Anything within 12 inches of a dreaded unit is considered within dread range, but it is specifically says this is not an aura ability. So uh, for those units and abilities and armies that now have, ability, have the um, uh, ability to turn off an aura or make a unit not count an aura, doesn't work on this because it specifically says it's not an aura. Yeah. So you played, you, know, you played in a RTT yesterday with Chaos Knights. Is the dreaded ability... Um, something that is is pivotal to your strategies when you play or is it sort of um ancillary i think it it can be it can be it's a bit of both some of them aren't amazing some of them are just a nice bonus and then some of them 
uh, and we'll cover them uh, at some point. Uh, a game-changing uh, late game. All right. Uh, and this brings us up to the Dread households uh, individually. Uh, obviously, everything has every uh, household has their traitor's ambition, their household bond trait. War, they have a warlord trait, a strat, and a relic. Yeah. And do you want to do the first one, House Herpetrax? Yeah. Which sounds like an STD. Yep. So Herpetrax is a reasonably popular one. Um, this is inf- uh, Iconoclast. So this is the plus one attack and extra AP in the sort of the first round of combat. Uh, so their trait is plus two wounds for war dogs, plus four wounds for Titanic models. Uh, that's great. That puts you on 14 wounds for a war dog and 28 for a knight, a big knight. Um, strong. Yeah. Uh, extra wounds to things that already have a ton of them. Yeah. They're a uh, stratagem, uh, one CP, uh, end of the fight phase, uh, select a house Herpetrax model. Roll a d6 for each enemy unit within six. On a two to five, they suffer a mortal wound. On a six, they suffer d3. That's okay. A couple of mortal wounds. Uh, not bad. Warlord trait is bow to none. This is quite interesting. So you, the warlord ignores any or all modifiers to their characteristics profiles, except for their bracketing. Um, if they make an attack, they ignore any or all modifiers to its hit rolls, wound rolls, or damage rolls. And if they advance or declare a charge, you ignore any or all modifiers to its advance and charge rolls. So no modifiers affecting this one, except its own profile bracket. Nice. Not bad? Not bad. Uh, And then the relic, uh, minus one to hit um, in melee, basically. And that's on a war dog or a abhorrent. So a uh, big knight, but not the biggest knight. Very cool. Uh, Moving on, House Lucaris. Um, This is also an iconoclast house. Their uh, household bond is virtue through strength. Each time a model with this uh, bond is selected to fight, you can reroll one hit roll or one wound roll, uh, which is nice because once the game starts, all of your individual knights break off into their own units. So basically every single model in the force gets reroll one hit roll or one wound roll. So now it's only in the fight phase, but since you're probably going to be wanting to lean into melee as an infernal household or as a uh, iconoclast household anyway, Though those two stack up kind of nicely, it's, it's a it's a nice synergy there. The uh, stratagem is trample them one CP. Uh, use this strat in your movement phase when you uh, move a Titanic model from your army makes a normal move or an advance. After the model's moved, select one enemy unit it moved across because remember you can step over people or step on them uh, and roll one d six. Uh, add one to the result uh, if the enemy unit contains six to ten models, and add two to the result if the enemy unit contained eleven or more models. On a three to six total result, the enemy unit suffers uh, d three mortal wounds. On a seven plus, that unit suffers d six mortal wounds. So nice, nice. And it's, again, it's not something you're going to be using universally, but maybe if you're going into you know a large horde model you know horde unit maybe your your titanic unit has just stepped over a giant massive yeah hydra hormigons yeah uh, or over you know. a character or something it's yeah not bad. yeah Small yeah ding and d3 if you just step over a character model you can just because you just pick it you could this is a good way to make an end run around um uh, look out sir you could just yeah. drop d3 mortals on a on a character unit uh the warlord trait is strike first strike often Apparently, it, uh, this household is uh, taken after Cobra Kai. Uh, the, uh, at the start of the fight phase, if the warlord is within engagement range of any enemy units, it can fight first that phase. 
uh, and the relic is the Serpent Strike Core. Uh, select one Demon Breath Meltagun, Twin Meltagun, Demon Breath Spear, or Demon Breath Thermal Cannon. The model is equipped with. That model is now considered a relic for all purposes. Delete that weapon's abilities, add one to the weapon's strength, and add two to the weapon's damage characteristics. So you're just overcharging um, one of your Melta or Volcano Cannon, or uh, Thermal Cannon, not Volcano. Cool. So, nice. Uh, uh, I wish the Relic was something else, because, I mean, everything else is very melee-oriented in this yeah. household. I wish that the Relic was also, but as we'll get to uh, probably next week, we'll, we'll do the Relics, and uh, you're going to have, uh, I'm sure, several very melee, very spicy uh, melee relics you could ignore this one for. Definitely. So, all right, you want to do the next one? Yeah, so this is House Chimere. Um, so, Iconoclast, again, each time model with this bond makes an attack, if that attack is made against a unit that was below half strength when this model was selected to shoot or fight, add one to the wound roll. Mm, bit meh, if I'm honest. Uh, yeah. This stratagem, like, you know, if you're fighting vehicles and stuff, you're basically never going to be getting your, your trait bonus. Right. Um, Fury of Surtur's Wake. Uh, this is one slash two. If you finish a charge move, um, you're a 46 uh, or 66 if you're Titanic. And each result that exceeds the enemy toughness characteristic, they suffer a mortal wound. Um, each unmodified roll of a six is two mortal wounds instead. Um, yeah, obviously Wardog, this is one CP. Uh, bigger knight is two CP. That's not actually bad. Um, it's kind of like the old, God forbid I mention it, Crusher Stampede, uh, more <laughs> on the charge. Um, but it's not capped at six or anything. Um, so yeah, against little guys, it's quite good. Yeah, but it's. I mean, the fact that I mean, it's it's not capped. But then again, you're only rolling yeah. at most six dice, so it is de facto yeah. capped at at six, and it's even capped at four if you're not using a Titanic model with this. So yeah, Very yeah I don't know. It's, I think it's good for um, when you're fighting those units that can only take a certain amount of damage per phase. That's true. Yeah, like That's if you're going to... kind of strats at the best. Yeah, if you're going to go into like a, uh, a Catan shard or something like that. Yeah. Or Gaz. Yeah. Um, the Warlord trait is an aura. Uh, while an enemy unit is within nine of the Warlord, at the start of each morale phase, it must take a dread test. If that test is failed, it suffers one mortal wound. Yeah. Should probably give that a miss if I'm honest. Yeah. Um, we will talk about dread tests more later on, but uh, the short version a dread test is basically um, 2d6 against the leadership value of the unit. Uh, and if it exceeds that value, then uh, it's failed. Uh, and if it's less, then, then you pass and don't suffer any adverse effects. Um, yeah. 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 Relic is Warp Fire Shield. So uh, 5 plus invulnerable save against melee attacks. That is great. Yeah. Um, each time a melee attack is made against the bearer on an unmodified saving throw of six, the attacking model's unit suffers one mortal wound to a maximum of six. Last bit, nice bonus, but five up in running combat. Yeah, because there's this, just like Imperial Knights, there's not a lot of ways for them to get uh, invulns against melee. It's, they've got their ion shields, you know, they're, they're built in uh, invuln against range, but not a lot of ways to get an invuln against melee for no, Chaos exactly. Knights either. So that's. That's a nice little bit, but the rest of the... It's a cool relic, but I don't know that the if I was going to be playing Chaos Knights that the rest of this is something that I'd want to... Mm, probably not. The rest of the house is meh. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, next one is House Vextrix. This is uh, the first of the Infernal Households. Uh, it has the Demonic Surge ability. 
the household bond is Titan Kin. Each time a model with this bond is selected to shoot, you can reroll one hit roll and one rune roll when resolving that model's attack. So this one, um, unlike the one for uh, Lucarius, this is reroll a hit roll and a wound roll. Nice. The stratagem is one CP interception array. Use this strat in your shooting phase um, when a model from your army is selected to shoot until the end of the phase. Each time that model makes a ranged attack, you can ignore any or all hit roll and ballistic skill modifiers. Not bad. Yeah, that's really tasty. Yeah. Uh, against, especially against uh, units like some of the Eldari and some others that can penalize your, your shooting at them. Uh, the Warlord trait is Favor of the Dark Mechanicum. Uh, if the Warlord is a War Dog class model, add one to its wounds characteristic. If it's Titanic, add two to its wounds. And then, uh, regardless, at the start of each of your command phases, this Warlord regains D3 lost wounds. Nice. Not. Yeah. I like it. We're not world shakingly awesome, but also I can see where it would be yeah. nice to really keep your, especially if you're, you know, stomping around with an abhorrent class mm. uh, model and you want to make sure that you just keep bringing him, you know, keep him alive for just a little bit longer because obviously people yeah. are going to be aiming rail guns and laser cannons and such things. I, I think it pairs, sorry to interrupt. No, I, go ahead. I think it, it pairs well with the Infernal because remember, if you're taking D3 more wounds to pick a trait, that also happens in the command phase. So you could take D3 mortal wounds, pick your trait, and then heal D3 mortal wounds. Oh, yeah, so good it's call. A, a nice little um, play there. Yeah, no, I didn't even think about that. That's great. Yeah, those that would stack up well, and you could use one will offset the other really nicely, and you can really make the most of those um, of that uh, that dread ability or that uh, what's it called the demonic surge. Demonic surge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, and then the relic is the heretic heretic power core. Uh, add two inches to the bear's move characteristic. Each time the bear makes a melee attack, unless that attack is made using the sweep profile of a melee weapon, add one to the damage characteristic of that attack. So your your big smashy hit uh, is plus one damage. Yeah. The 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 yeah. plus two to move is nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you need plus one damage on a damage six or damage right. two plus three weapon, right? So right. I guess for feet, if you want to make your feet damage two, but the movement I think is the key bit there. Yeah, definitely. All right, you want to uh, go for it, House Comentis. House Comentis. Um, so uh, Infernal again, of course. Each time this, uh, each time a model with this bond uses a demonic surge, if you chose to inflict one more wound, you can reroll the D3 to determine what surge ability you get. If you chose to inflict D3, you can then, uh, so D3 mortal wounds, you could choose two results to apply. So you could choose plus three move and the plus one to wound thing, or transhuman. So that one's quite interesting. Uh, the stratagem encircling hounds. Uh, one CP basically put a war dog class unit, whole unit. So if it was three, you'd put all three into strategic reserve. Very interesting. Does that kind of work? Because it says use the strat in your movement phase. So is mm. that going to work? Because once the game starts, don't, aren't, aren't all the war dogs technically individual units? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I've misread that first bit. Yeah. So. In your movement phase, it's like a jump off the board, come back on kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the good thing is it's in your movement phase, so you could do that pretty much right up to turn four, pull somebody off, and then turn five, bring somebody back on, bring them back on. Yeah. Not bad yeah. for engaging all fronts or something like that. That's right. It's a shame it's strategic reserves and not just sort of a deep strike. Yeah. I feel like that sort of limits the, the ability there a little. I mean, putting knights in reserve anyway at any point during the game seems like a strange decision. Uh, to yeah. me, when you've got so few models, 
Um, yeah. but I'm sure there's a place for it. Maybe if you got one of the uh, one of the huntsmen that's got the auto cannons and it's you know sitting at the been sitting at the back of the board all game, and you mm-hmm. just need to jump something into a table quarter. Or yeah, something. Yeah, very true. Um, the warlord trait dread hunter. Uh, this one's very nice. Once per battle at the start of your shooting phase, the warlord can make a killing strike. If it does so, select one range weapon this warlord is equipped with. Till the end of the phase, each time attack is made with that weapon, you can reroll the hit roll, you can reroll the wound roll, and you add one to the damage characteristic of that attack. You want to kill something? Yes. You pop that. That should annihilate nearly anything. Yes. Now, the only... Well, I guess this is a this is this is a, an infernal household. So you're going to be more inclined towards shooting with these anyway. Yeah, I just wish because if it was if it was uh, for shooting or melee, that would be even better. But it would be absolute madness. Yeah, yeah. Um, the relic uh, house commentus terror shade model only. So terror shade is a keyword that uh, the newer war dogs have, um, but also the abominant has. Uh, so you can only give it to one of those. At the start of each shooting phase, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the bearer. Till the end of the turn, each time a range attack is made by the bearer against that enemy unit, improve your AP by one. Um, yeah, it's not bad. If you've got a war dog, um, I can't remember what it's called, brigand, I think. So it's got two guns, so the, the gatling and the melter. You're going to buff both of those if you shoot someone within 18 by an extra AP which is not, not bad. Uh, and of course, if you put it on the Abominant, his Volkite now becomes AP2, which just makes it that little bit better. Yeah, especially into Armor of Contempt. Yes. All right. And then the last of the uh, uh, households, uh, House Corvax, uh, also an Infernal household. Uh, the bond is once per battle at the start of any battle round, you can select one Harbinger ability from those corresponding to the current battle round or any previous battle round, that ability becomes active for every model with this bond in your army, even if every unit from your army does not have the Chaos Knights keyword. So, okay. Okay. All right. Um, I'm not sure how you would... I guess if you... This one is uh, a very... It's quite a technical thing. Yeah. Um, I think... So once we've looked at our Harbingers of Dread, um, and if you guys are interested, uh, YouTube members, we did a video on Harbingers and how that all works. Um, and you get access actually at certain levels of the academy to our YouTube members content in our library vault. Just another selling point there. Um, you get a lot of a lot of stuff uh, signing up. So yeah, um, there are really good Harbingers of Dread abilities. Some of them are on the same line. So if you did go Corvax, um, you could go down a line that you wanted to because it's got better buffs and then pick uh, one from the other side. So good example of this is you could get Obsec turn off obsec which is arguably oh. the most powerful one uh, of the harbingers abilities um without going down that route which otherwise isn't fantastic so all right it's interesting it's a yeah. shame it doesn't affect you for the whole game you know like some of the other traits but yeah right um the uh and i'm not sure how you would have a household bond oh, i guess if you're having just uh if you're souping chaos and chaos and if you got some chaos marines and a or some demons and a uh uh in another in a patrol detachment or something with them. Mm. All right. And then the Knights of Shade is their stratagem 2 CP. Use this strat at the start of your movement phase or at the start of your charge phase. Select up to two House Corvax Wardogs or one House Corvax Titanic model from your army until the end of the phase. 
The selected model or models can move horizontally through models and terrain features as if they were not there. We're just going to phase right through this building. I love this so much. So that cool. is very cool. That, that creates a lot of mobility options for an otherwise often challenged mobility army. Yeah. Uh, Warlord trade is Lord of Dread. Add three inches to the range of this Warlord's aura abilities. Add three inches to the range of this Warlord's dreaded abilities. Very nice. Not bad. Not bad. Uh, and the relic is Rune of Darkness. House Corvax model only, once per battle round. When a saving throw made for the bearer is failed, you can use this relic. When you do, the damage characteristic of that attack is changed to zero. Each time this relic is used, roll 2d6. If the result is equal to or greater than the bearer's leadership, this relic cannot be used again during the battle, so it burns out. I mean, you're looking at leadership nine on most of the big boys. Right. Um, I think this relic is actually pretty fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's pretty great. Once per battle. Uh, it's not I even mean, the first failed save. Right. You, so You just pick. Yeah, yeah. So it's even battle. It's even better than uh, the solid image projector for the Tau that I'm a huge fan of because that one has to be the first attack in the in the phase, which yeah. unfortunately, um, when Sean and I were playing a test game the other night, she figured out, oh, so if I shoot you with Stormbolters first and make you fail <laughs> a save, then I can shoot you with my multi-meltas. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Uh, Dread Households and Fell Bonds. What's the, you want to give us the rundown on that one? Um, yeah, we're going to go through all of them or pick Oh, no, some no, no. Up? We can just, just, just give them the quick overview of what it is. And Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. So these are essentially your custom, your custom household traits, uh, your custom chapters. You only pick one of these. Uh, some of them, are, well, half of them are locked to Iconoclast. The other half are locked to Infernal. Um, and there are various buffs in here. Some of them uh, even affect Dreadblades in a better way than the normal ones. But yeah, you can also, of course, uh, take one of the original traits. Oh, like like with the successor chapter yeah. where you're a descendant chapter or whatever? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I skipped over this since I'm not actively playing Cast Knights right now. I just sort of glanced over mm. like, oh, okay, that's custom traits. But you only take one that, instead of two. That's, a, that's an interesting change of pace. Um, don't, you, don't get, um, you don't get as much, really. The Chaos Knights for their trait. You only get sort of one one thing, which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, uh, but that's some true. of these are very good. Is there one that, that jumps out to you just off the top of your head that you're like, oh, that's so I'll throw in just a couple. Um Iconoclast I like a lot. Uh there's one here which is um melee attack sixes are an additional hit. I'm always a fan of exploding sixes. Very nice. I mean when you're making yeah, when you're doing sweep attacks, you're like fifteen attacks with a knight. Right. You know, exploding sixes is great. Um, especially for the armagers, the war dogs, because they don't have a huge amount of attacks usually. And then the other one, all right, and I tried this on a Dreadblade at the, at the RTT. Um, if you make an unmodified wound roll of six with a ranged attack, you improve your AP by one and your damage by one for that attack. Um, so you, I packed all of the guns I could on one night and used this trait. Um, and, you know, a AP3 damage four battle cannon shot. Yeah. Okay. That was good. Suddenly the, the battle cannon, the, the much maligned battle cannon is much more uh, worth consideration at that point. Yeah. Now you said you put this on, you put that on one knight. Are you able to, oh, because it's Dreadblade, you can yes. pick. Yeah. You can custom yep. out one model for your, for your list and just 
and it put him in his own detachment and call it a day. Well, so what you do is you take, um, uh, you got five slots in your Lord of War detachment. So um, you take maybe four of your house. So in my case, it was House of Nicaris. Uh, and then I took a Dreadblade model in the same detachment. They're essentially um, a, I don't really know how to describe it. They just get a different ability, basically, but they can be in the same detachment. Okay. Um, and they, right. they get to choose one of these abilities here, but it can't be one that the rest of your army has. Cool. So that, it gives a little bit of customization um, and flexibility that most armies don't have. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, all right. We're going to skip over the four or five pages of stratagems and go to what is a going to take us a minute to talk about it, is a very deep list, which is the favor of the dark gods. Uh, for those that follow uh, Warhammer community closely, they they did sort of preview and talk about this a few weeks ago before the codex came out. Um, there are these are your pointed upgrades that you get for you know different models, but in this case, unlike Space Marines and some of the others, where you're just upgrading a single unit or a single character, you can slap one of these on. I think pretty much every model in the army, if you want to spend the points, right? Uh, yeah, it's limited to one per unit. So if you had three war dogs, it could only go on one of them. Don't you? Oh, okay. And you, because you're doing this in in army construction, it's before they break off into the separate units. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's three for every dark, uh, every chaos god, and there is there are three for, of course, the um, chaos undivided, as usual. So, um, and then in each of those three, you've got three different um, points costs. So you've got the there's a there's a points cost for war dogs points cost for abhorrence and then a point points cost for tyrant class. So, uh, but they all, it, it, you know, because you're paying on them slightly different models and some of these, it gets up to 60 points a model if you're slapping them on a, a tyrant class. Um, but now you want to explain how these work because the, there's the, the, the tally required for worthy offering and all that kind of stuff to, to make them operate. So you want to give the, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you can, you can break it down much more succinctly than I can. <laughs> You give me too much credit. Um, so you take a favor, basically. So that's one of these pointed upgrades, uh, and you get a an ability that goes with it. Um, let's take Blood Shield as the first example. Um, so once per battle, start the fight phase. You use it. Um, your opponent can't have invuns against your melee attacks, and you can't have invuns in uh, melee either. Uh, and then there's a separate um, thing about abominance if they take it, because of course Corn doesn't like psychers. Uh, and then there's a favored ability. Okay, so you take one of these pointed upgrades and then you have to uh, keep track of how many wounds of models you kill uh, during the game. So for a Wardog class, uh, you have to kill five wounds worth of models. So that might be six Space Marines. So that's, you know, six wounds, but that's five at least. It might be two Scarab Swarms. Right. So that's four each, gets you to five. Um, or it might just be five, you know, Dire Avengers, just five one-wound models. Right, or you pop a Drakari uh, transport or something. Exactly, exactly. Right. You know, um, a Star Weaver, whatever. Uh, but five wounds, that's that's the point. And then you get your favored ability. Um, for an Abhorrent class, it would be 10. And then for a Tyrant class, it's 15. Uh, now, the important thing to say here is that um, it carries on over turns. So once you started on that tally, um, you keep going. And once you get the ability, you do you have to start over again? Or is it it's you have it for the rest of the game? You have it for the rest of the game. Nice. So if you get to kill an early, you will. So that definitely encourages a very aggressive play style if you want to make the most of these favors. Absolutely. All right. Uh, 
this is a long list, but we're going to dig through them because I think there's a lot of, this is where there's a lot, this is one of the things I think that really separates Chaos Knights from Imperial Knights and really kind of gives a lot of flavor to the army. All right, so the first one, um, uh, let's do these by Chaos God. I'll do the corn, you do Zinch, and we'll okay. go on from Sounds the next good. show. All right, um, so the first one for corn is Blood Shield, like you said. Uh, the model gains corn keyword. Once per battle at the start of a fight phase, the bear can activate the blood shield. Uh, when it does until the end of the phase, each time a melee attack is made by the bear, invulnerable saving throws cannot be made against that attack. And each time a melee attack is made against the bear, invulnerable saving throws cannot be made against that attack. So basically, it is null zone. It shuts off invulns for anybody that's attacking or being attacked by this model. Uh, and then uh, if this knight, if this model is a knight abominant, it loses the psychic keyword and cannot manifest psychic powers, but its weapon skill is improved by one and its attacks is improved by one because, you know, corn. And then the favorite ability is uh, the model can activate the blood shield ability one additional time during the battle. So it's too bad you can't keep earning that one. But uh, cool nonetheless. Uh, second one is Collar of Infernal Brass. Uh, this model gains the corn keyword. Uh, it's how it's going to be for all of these. If it's, you know, you, you gain the keyword of your designated chaos God. Uh, the model has the following ability. Color of infernal brass is an aura. While an enemy psyker unit is within 12 inches of the bear, subtract two from psychic tests taken for that unit. And if the model is a knight abominant, it loses the psyker keyword and it gains plus one weapon skill and plus one attacks. Are we seeing a trend here? <laughs> and then uh, the favorite ability is the model cannot be targeted or affected by psychic powers, period, full stop. That's kind of cool. Oh, Especially to certain armies. No, you will not doom, guide anything on me. You will stand there, little space elves, and I will step on you. And then the last one for corn is Throne Mechanicum of Skulls. You can reroll charge rolls made for this model. If the model's a knight abominant, loses psychic keyword, gains plus one weapon skill, plus one attacks characteristics. So uh, rerolling charge rolls is nice. Uh, this definitely would go well into an iconoclast uh, list or, or uh, knight. And yeah. then the favorite ability, each time this model makes a melee attack, an unmodified hit roll of six scores one additional hit. So exploding sixes. I like that one a lot. Yes, cool. I, I would love to slap that on a, a big old stompy knight with something that has a sweep attack and just reroll charge rolls and get to uh, rerolling with some big chainsword and getting lots of exploding sixes. I like that. Uh, all right. Go on to the Lord of Change. Yep. So these are the Zinch upgrades. Um, now, as David said, the, you, you get the um, core and the Zinch keywords. Those are associated with some stratagems. Um, so the keywords do key off some stratagems. And of course, if you want to, um, you know, get that web of red wire, all the pins in the board, uh, I'm sure there's ways you can benefit these knights with various other powers because they have these demonic keywords. The first one, this is the Pyrothrone. Uh, if it's not a knight of Ominent, it gains the psychic keyword and can attempt to manifest one psychic power in your psychic phase and deny one as well. Uh, they know Smite and one power from the Warp Storm Discipline. If it is an Abominant, it knows one additional power, and it can manifest an additional power as well. And then the favored ability is that you can uh, reroll one Psychic Test for this model um, in each of your Psychic Phases. And this reminds me, because I, I, again, I haven't played this codex yet, so I haven't retained all mm -hmm. the information. Is there any rule against mixing and matching favors? 
can you have corn and zinc in the same list? Yep. Nice. Okay. Because I know, you know, once upon a time, many editions of the game ago, yeah. you weren't allowed to have corn on the board at the same time as Zinch and Nurgle on the same on the board at the same time as Slanesh. So yeah, okay. Yeah, they did. They don't like each other, but apparently they're going to get on anyway. Yes, they're they're for the purposes of uh, destroying things in the uh, real space. Yeah, they'll 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 put put aside their differences. That's nice. All right. Um, the next one is the Cursed Rune of Fate. Gain Zinch keyword, of course. Each time a ranged attack is made against the bearer, on an unmodified saving throw of six, the attacking model's unit suffers one mortal wound uh, to a maximum of six after they've resolved all their attacks. Uh, that doesn't look great, but the favored ability. Yeah. This model gains a four up invulnerable save. Boom. Yeah. Now, now, now that ability is much more interesting. Yes. You know, you, you get that on a shooty night, um, you kill a raider turn one or a rhino or something. Um, or even just five space marines. Suddenly, you've got a four-up invulnerable save. And that's in melee. That's in shooting everything. Um, yeah. It's too bad it's to a maximum of six mortal wounds because it would be really fun if somebody tried to do that uh, Imperial Guard. We're sending shooting a ton of laser, uh, laser rifle shots, and we're going to kill this thing by with the death of a thousand cuts. And somebody says, no, I will kill you with death of a thousand mortal wounds in return. So, <laughs> Well... I mean, I, th- I think that's worth looking at. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, the Mirror of Fates. Uh, this model gains each keyword. While this model's on the battlefield, each time your opponent spends a command point to use a stratagem, you can roll a d6. On a 5-up, you gain a command point. Perfect for something like a war dog sitting at the back, maybe. Yeah. And then the favored ability, once per battle round, after making a hit roll, wound roll, or saving throw for this model, this model can use the Mirror of Fates. If it does so, you can change the result of that roll to a 6 if you did take this on a big night um, that means that you could just after you rolled a hit roll wound roll or saving throw you could change it to a six if you wanted to yeah and it's once per once per battle round so it's not yeah at least it's not once per battle but once per turn would be yeah. nicer yeah once per turn he said would be complainingly very nice um i'm still really sketchy on things that give you a, a refund a command point on a five plus mm. it just never it's just too swingy for me. The, the odds of, first off, yeah. the odds are not in your favor. And it's just one of those things that, I don't know. If it was a four yeah. plus, all right, now you're talking. Five plus, though, it's yeah. just too. For me, um, I think it's okay because it's 15 points. If it was a relic slot or a warlord trait, then I probably wouldn't bother because it's going to cost you CP. Yeah. But 15 points, it's okay. And it's for every command point your opponent spends rather than just every stratagem. So. You know, you should get yeah. some mileage out of it. Yeah, you're right. yeah, that's true. And and it might be that it just, you know, maybe make, gives your opponent a second thought about, do I really want to spend this stratagem and risk giving him a CP? Yeah. Okay, I can see where that's that's a lot better than than a warlord trade or a relic that, you know, refund a CP every time you, you know, mm. use a strat or something. That's far less useful. Uh, all right, moving on to Nurgle. The first one is the Putrid Carapace. Each time an attack with a damage characteristic of one is allocated to this model, add one to any armor saving throw taken against that attack. Okay. Uh, and the favorite ability, add one to this model's toughness characteristic. Nice. Cool. Very nice. Toughness nine night. All right. Serious. You got some serious uh, resiliency you're, you're adding on to something that's already going to be fairly resilient. Yeah. Uh, so I'd love to, I mean, take a, take a T8 knight up to T9. Mm, makes a big it. difference, you know. 
Yeah. Against any strength eight weapons out there. Yeah. Or and also against any of uh, you know strength sixteen, the the few yeah. strength sixteen weapons out there. Yeah. So those Very those true. little things are those are nice. All right, blessing of a thousand poxes. I first almost said blessing of a thousand foxes, and then I realized no, that's a <laughs> p. Um, and it also makes more sense. Uh, this each time this mono makes a melee attack, an unmodified hit roll of six automatically wounds the target. Okay, uh, good mm-hmm. for sweep attacks. Uh, and the favorite ability each time this model makes a ranged attack, an unmodified hit roll of six automatically wounds the target. Mm, okay, it's all right. Um, I'm definitely much preferring the putrid carapace so far. Yeah. Uh, Aura of corruption is the third one. This model has the following ability: corruption of the body aura. Whilst an enemy unit is within six inches of this model, subtract one from the strength characteristic of models in that unit. And then the favorite ability, this model has the following ability, corruption of the soul. Whilst an enemy unit is within six inches of this model, subtract one from the toughness characteristic of models in that unit. That's nice. Just, That's actually, I, I do like that one. Yeah, just a roving aura of debuff. Um, yeah. I, I dig that a lot. All right. Uh, my hedonistic friend, Slanesh is all yours. <laughs> uh, one of these is my favorite, probably of the lot. Um, the first oh, one, really? though. Go for mm, it. First one, Quicksilver Throne. Uh, this is fights first. And you can heroically intervene as if you were a character. And of course, you um, gain the Slanesh keyword. Okay. Uh, and then the favorite ability is each time you pile or consolidate, you can move up to D3 plus three instead of up to three. This is um, interesting. I think fights first is underrated on knights, especially because once you put a fight last into a knight, it almost takes it out of the game um, because you've got no way of countering that. So fights first is quite nice. Uh, and heroic intervention on one that isn't a character um, could be nice as well. Yeah. Right. My favorite one. You slap this on a combat knight. Gain Slanesh keyword. Each time a melee attack is made against this model, subtract one from the attack's hit roll and one from the attack's wound roll. Very nice. Boom. Toughness 8 model. Minus 1 to hit, minus 1 to wound. And then, top it all off, you get favoured, um, you get an aura, uh, while an enemy unit is within 6 of this model, subtract 1 from the attack's characteristic of models in that unit. Minus 1 attack, minus 1 to hit, minus 1 to wound. Don't know if you can kill this knight anymore. Yeah, certainly not in one turn. I don't no. know what you're trying to gang up on him, but that's that's some serious that's almost i think if you i would love to do the math on it but i think that may almost create more resiliency in a night than the putrid carapace would yes so it's quite funny actually because um i played steven round three at the rtt um yesterday uh and blood angels as you may very well know um are very good at taking out knights especially in combat yeah um, and we, especially with his beloved assault centurions Exactly. We had a really good game. Um, and my knight with this uh, favored as well with the minus one attack um, was put down to three wounds uh, despite being attacked by all five assault centurions in Assault Doctrine, um, Dante and some assault marines as well. Wow. So yeah, this is some hellish resilience. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, the last one, um, I like this potentially for a little guy, a war dog. Uh, Gain slash keyword in your movement phase each time this model advances or falls back until the end of your shooting phase it counts as having remained stationary. Um, so if you've got a double gun war dog mm-hmm. and you, you don't have anything to give it, you may as well give it this. Uh, this model is eligible to make declare a charge 
within a turn which it advanced or fell back is its favoured ability. Um, that is nice, uh, but I think you're probably taking it for the, the fallback and shoot. Yeah, fallback and shoot um, is cannot be, and, and advance and shoot cannot be uh, underrated. So, uh, yeah, no, no, I think that one's cool, but that Beguiling Majesty, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, all right, and then we'll I'll do real quick do the uh, Chaos Undivided ones. The first one is Mark of the Dread Knight. Uh, this model gains the Pantheon Undivided keyword, and just like all three of these will. Each time this model would lose a wound, roll 1d6 on a 6. That wound is not lost. Eh. Cool. Favorite ability, each time this model would lose a wound, roll 1d6 on a 5-up. That wound is not lost. Now you're talking. Now we're talking. Now we're talking. 6-up, yeah. feel talking. no pain, is just a waste of my time. I have more, I am more interested in keeping time on my clock than I am yeah. trying to make that save, but a five yeah. up. All right. Now you're talking a 33% chance. I'll roll those dice. Uh, next one is warp born stalker during deployment. You can set up this model in the warp instead of setting it up on the battlefield. If this model is a war dog class model. Any other models in its unit are set up as if they were a separate unit. If you do so, then during the reinforcement step of one of your movement phases, you can set up this unit anywhere on the battlefield that's more than nine inches away from any models. Deep strike. Love it. Deep strike a big knight. Yeah, deep striking a knight. <laughs> deep strike a knight. I will pause here and give you all just a moment to contemplate exactly what that would do to people. So now you may have trouble finding a space to bring that down, especially if it's a, a big boy. And real quick, I want to, I got to go back and look. Uh, Warpborn Stalker. All right. Actually, if you put this on a War Dog, it's 15 points. If you put it on an Abhorrent or a Tyrant class, it's only 30. That's not bad compared to some of the costs of some of the other uh, of these favorite upgrades. So it, it is cost efficient and um, again, steep striking a, a War Dog like that down is very nice. And then the favorite ability once per battle at the start of the movement phase, you can remove this model from the battlefield and then during the reinforcement step. So he Angelica sense. You can take him off the board and deep strike him else somewhere else again uh, in the next movement phase. So, yeah. and then of course, if the battle ends and he's not on the battlefield, he's destroyed. Uh, but that's that's some serious movement shenanigans. It's uh, funny, but the um, the issue is, of course, you're taking it off for a whole turn, so it's not doing anything. Right. Again, it's it's like the one with strategic reserves we talked about before. Yeah. It's yeah. it's cute, and again, it yeah. might be it might be potentially valuable if it's on a War dog that you stuck somewhere mm. in the back of the table for most of the game, and you need to jump him forward to grab an objective or to engage in a front somewhere. All right, now, but it's definitely not something you're going to build your whole strategy around. The next one, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the next one. Blessing of the Dark Master. Each time an, an attack is made against this model, your opponent cannot reroll the hit roll, cannot reroll the wound roll, and cannot reroll the damage roll. Mwahaha. That's not bad. And then the favorite ability, each time an attack is made against this model, an unmodified hit roll hit roll of one to three for that attack fails, irrespective of any abilities that the weapon or the model making the attack may have. I mean, if you're not taking this, you're crazy. Right. That's, that's pretty darn good because the favorite ability is, that's, that's just really, really spicy. That's yeah, really cool. Hit transhuman is nuts. Yeah, hit transhuman, it's just annoying. Like wound transhuman, it's it's almost it's one of those abilities. The hit transhuman is one of those abilities that is almost on the verge of being a fun suck out of the game. Mm. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, I had a game at the RTT where my combat knight 
went one on one versus the the silent king, uh, and the king just couldn't do anything to this knight because he was hitting on fours, and uh, the king normally, of course, hits on twos. Uh, and then, of course, when he'd go to CP reroll uh, a wound, if he failed a wound, I had to tell him that he couldn't because you can't reroll against this knight. So yeah. it was, yeah, it was a bit sad. It'd actually probably be a help help to me because you know I am a proud member of the uh, as Paul Murphy says the one into one club. Um, where yeah. my CP rerolls, <laughs> just just don't do the CP reroll. You have prevented me from making a poor life choice. Yeah. So, uh, all right, and then this moves us into the um, so lots of stuff there to consider. Um, any other um, favorites out of there besides uh, Beguiling Majesty that you think are worth particular? Uh, um, I like the uh, the collar for the minus two psychic on a war dog, just rushing it up there. Uh, I think that's interesting. The Casting a power, so when we eventually do car, uh, cover the psychic powers, um, one of them essentially is a five-up field of pain on the knight that casts it. So taking the pyro throne and sticking that on something like a knight tyrant, if you're mad and you want to take one of the really big guys, means you can just cast a power uh, and get a five-up field of pain on, on your big guy, uh, okay. which is pretty crazy. Uh, other than that, Putrid Carapace, as you mentioned, I really like that one. Guardian yeah. Majesty and uh, Blessing of the Dark Master. Cool. All right, uh, so now we're going to move on to the generic uh, warlord traits, or uh, rather the, I don't say generic, the non-household specific <laughs> warlord traits. Uh, all right, the first one is eager for the kill. Add one to advance and charge rolls for this warlord. While the warlord is within your opponent's deployment zone, add one to its attacks characteristic. Plus one to advance and charge rolls is great. I don't like the abilities that are limited to when you stay in your own deployment zone, but I guess if you're yeah. going to slap this on a you know, something, a shooty war dog or something that's going to stay in the backfield all game, um, then yeah. that is a waste of your time because it's only plus one attack. So there's really, I'm not finding a lot of rede- re- uh, redeeming value in this no. one. Go for it. The next one, Harbinger of Scrap Code. Uh, in the morale phase, select one enemy vehicle within 18 of the Warlord, so quite a big range. It has to take a dread test. So again, this is 2d6 compared to its leadership. If it fails, uh, that means it's rolled above uh, their leadership. That unit suffers three mortal wounds. Okay, until the start of the next morale phase, um, they count as having half the number of wounds for their bracket. Um, and if they are a unit that doesn't suffer these changes, so like a, a dreadnought that has like nine, uh, eight wounds, or a carnifex with a th- uh, nine wounds, they instead reduce their ballistic skill and weapon skill by one. It's okay. Okay. But enemy vehicles, pretty specific. And not great uh, unless you're facing knights in the current meta. Right. Because most people are not bringing a lot of... I mean, yeah, you still have the um, Contemptor Dread spam out there, mm. that, especially with Armor of Contempt, that, that didn't go away, unfortunately. But, but then it's minus one ballistics and weapons on a Contemptor's... Yeah. Eh. Okay. Uh, next one is Warp Haunted Hull. Once per turn, this warlord can attempt to deny the witch as if it were a psyker. If the unit is a psyker, then in each enemy psyche phase, it can instead attempt to deny one additional time. And each time this warlord loses a wound in the psychic phase, roll a d6 on a five up, feel no pain. So, not bad. I would. It's definitely worth slapping right. on an abominant. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. Uh, I think it's interesting. Having an extra yeah. deny is is always good. And with the um with the the spite spam smite spam that is out there uh yeah. with some lists i think that's definitely worth you know that's 
if you can throw up a couple middle fingers and a maliceptor, um, yeah, that, you know, that's always that's always valid. Yeah. Uh, the next one, Knight Diabolus. I think this one's for me one of my auto takes. Plus one to your warlord's attacks characteristic, so that's potentially an extra three attacks with your sweep, that kind of thing. Uh, and then each time you make a melee attack, reroll a hit roll of one. Um, there's very few ways to get rerolls on one of your big knights. Uh, this is really nice on a combat one. Yes, yes. Iconoclast household, Knight Diabolus, like it. Um, Infernal quest, this warlord gains objective secured. Boom. Period, full stop. That's it. Here, have OPSEC. Counts as 10 models already. Yeah. Now it's OPSEC. Yep. Love it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm sorry. Were you thinking about trying to do, um, Oaths of Moment? No, you're not. Not till you take this, not, not till you take this one down and you stick one of those other abilities to make him super resilient. Uh, one of the favors of the Dark Gods and stick him on a middle objective. That's, that's rough. That's, that's real tough. I like it. No, uh, I, so I, um, put this on my, one of my combat nights um, with the, uh, the no rerolls thing as well. Uh, and yeah, it was just a pain, pain to deal with this guy, 10 obsec models. Um, the next one, Aura of Terror, brackets dreaded. So this is a dreaded ability, as we've mentioned before. Um, while an enemy unit is within dread range, so that's normally 12 inches, um, each time a morale test or dread test is taken for that unit, your opponent must roll one additional D6 and discard the lowest. So um, you're now rolling three D6, discarding the lowest, um, and of course, if it exceeds your leadership characteristic, you fail the test. Dread tests come in a lot more when we look at Harbingers of Dread. And there's some really cool plays in there. So um, don't underestimate Dread. Yeah. All right. So, um, but that's definitely a world of trait that you're going to, you're going to have to build around and build into if you're going to, because you're going to want to really lean into your Harbingers of Dread and your Dread tests and all that stuff. All right. And then uh, last but not least, uh, at least for this week, uh, or at least for this episode, rather, because you know we're trying to double up right now to to catch up on some stuff. Warpstorm discipline, your psychic powers. There's some, there's some, there's some good ones in here. I think uh, winds of the warp, um, blessing, uh, blessing. It's a, a warp charge value of six. If it's manifested, then until the start of your next psychic phase, each time the psyker loses a wound, it gets a five up, feel no pain. And if the result of the psychic test was eight or more, while a friendly dread household war dog class model is within six inches of the psyker, each time that model loses a wound, gets a six up, feel no pain. This is not one nice. of the ones that I, you know, the, the five of feel no pain, like we said, is good. The, the aura of six up, feel no pain is very meh. Yeah, absolutely. But um, yeah, the, the five up, great. Yeah. You're taking it on one of your nights. You've got a psyker in there. Yes. And I don't know why you wouldn't take an abominant in a chaos list. There's unless you're really unless you 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 are just an absolute blood for the blood god, skulls for the skull throne. Forget psychic abilities, and you're just gonna go melee crazy. Hmm. Otherwise, you 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 should absolutely have at least one abominant in your list. I think. Well, it's funny because I have a, a very different opinion, um, and I, don't, I actually don't like the abominant. I think it's potentially a trap. Really. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, you know, th the thing is, shooting output I found a little bit underwhelming, uh, and its combat output uh, sometimes seems a bit lacking because it's only got three attacks base. Um, I can see the draw. I just don't see myself getting 400 points worth of value out of it enough uh, compared to some of the other knights. So, differing opinions on the Abominant. Um, really? I know a lot All of right. people like him. Yeah, I just figured, you know, if you're going to. You, you want to put out as you know and make sure that you've got play in as many phases as possible. So having mm. 
having an you know having a knight out there that's got psychic ability seems like a, a valid uh, life choice. But um, I like your take. I think that that it's it is a valid consideration of because they are so expensive. Like you said, they're four hundred points ish. Yeah, um, and that's before you start getting into pointed upgrades and all that. Maybe it's not worth taking. So, all right. Uh, you want to do the next one? Yeah. So this is Vortex Terrors. Cast value five. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 of your Psyker till the start of your next fight, Psychic phase, minus one to their leadership, and each time they shoot or fight, they have to do a dread test first. If that test is failed, then until the end of the current phase, reduce the weapon skill and ballistic, character- ballistic skill characteristics of models in that enemy unit by one. This is all right. I kind of wish there wasn't the dread test part to it, and it just did the minus one to weapon skill, ballistic skill. Yeah. Just reduce that um, variability there. Uh, but otherwise, it's all right. Yeah. And uh, this is where and where I think you could stack this up with that Aura of Terror. Um, mm. If you're stacking that Aura of Terror up with this Vortex Terror's ability, now you're, you're leaning it, you're really heavily leaning into your dread tests. And, yep. you know, because minus one leadership is on its own, meh. But if you're forcing a lot of dread tests, then maybe it's. There are other ways to debuff leadership. Uh, innately from like Harbinger Dread and stuff. Yeah. I actually think it's uh, interesting when you pair it with something like Beguiling Majesty, minus one to hit, um, because this is a reduced uh, weapon skill by one. So suddenly it actually stacks with minus one to hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, hmm, could have yeah. play. Yeah. It has, it, it has some play. You definitely, this is a, it's a good synergy, but you're going to have to build for it. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, all right, next one is the Storm Malevolent. It's a malediction with a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of this Psyker until the start of your next psychic phase. Each time a friendly Chaos Knights model makes a melee attack against that unit, add one to the wound roll, and on an unmodified wound roll of six, the target suffers a mortal wound in addition. A max of three mortal wounds can be inflicted on each enemy unit per phase as a result of the psychic power. Cool. I like that. I one. actually really like that. Yeah, that's a that that one is definitely something you is is worth. Uh, you know, it's nice. It's straightforward. I mean, plus one to wound. You never go wrong on. It. It's one of the things I wish the yeah. Tau had more of. There's there's no unless you're yeah. taking Dark Strider. There's no way you're getting plus one to wound. And it's just an absolutely valid. Um, it's a huge buff. It's almost I almost yeah. feel like it's more val- valuable than a plus one to hit sometimes. All right, you're up. Um, Cyclonic Lamentation. Uh, this is a Witch Fire. Uh, warp Charge 6. If manifested, every enemy unit within 12 inches must take a Dread Test. Okay, so we're basing this on Dread Test again. Each unit that fails this test suffers one mortal wound. If the result of the Psychic Test was 11 or more, then each one that fails the test suffers D3 mortal wounds. Uh, if I'm honest, this is a bit meh. I guess it does hit every enemy unit within 12. Uh, and they have to take a dread test, but um, yeah, one one more wound. Yeah, for a is yeah for a side power seems a bit. Yeah. yeah. So unless uh, you you not only have to to use this effectively, not only do you have to charge right into the middle of your opponent's army so that you're getting as many units into that twelve inch aura as possible. Once you do, you have the possibility, if they fail their dread tests, mm. of doing a mortal wound. Woo. Yep. <laughs> so no definitely not one that i would generally i like the next about. one though oh yeah all right go for it coruscating hate 
Uh, it's a witch fire, has a warp charge value of 6. If manifested, the closest enemy unit within 18 inches of and visible to the Psyker suffers D3 more wounds. So it's just a smite, cast on a 6. But then, after that, you roll 1D6 on a 2 to 3. The closest other enemy unit within 6 inches and visible suffers one more wound. And on a 4 plus, it suffers D3 more wounds. So it's like a double smite almost. Yeah. So chain lightning. quite cool. Yeah, chain lightning. I like it. All right. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. It's uh, and I like it almost better because it's better than the Maliceptor's ability because it's six inches from the target unit, not six inches mm. from the caster. So, Agreed. um, you can you could really you you literally are chain lightning out and you're you've got a good chance of hitting two yeah. units, getting two for one. So that that one I dig. And then the last one, um, I kind of like uh, Spite Squall. It's a malediction with a warp charge value of six. Uh, select one enemy unit within 18 inches of the Psyker until the start of your next Psychic phase. That unit cannot fire Overwatch or set to defend. Keep a Spite Squall tally for that unit, adding one to the tally each time a model in that unit is destroyed. At the end of each phase, if that unit is still on the battlefield, roll a D6 for each mark on its Spite Squall tally. For each roll of 5+, plus, that unit suffers a mortal wound. The unit's Spite Squall tally is reset to zero at the end of each phase. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it's turn a little off bit of bookkeeping. And set to defend is actually great. Yeah. Um, I think the set to defend part is actually over, uh, under, underestimated. Um, you know, if you're going to charge a unit that's touching a ruin, stopping them getting that plus one to hit you, quite nice. Yes. Uh, the spite school is a bit weird because it um, resets to zero at the end of each phase, but yeah, I like it. Yeah, I was, I was with it fine until we got to the reset to zero at the end of each phase. But still, if you're if you're dealing with um, more of a horde aspect army, mm-hmm. you got a lot lots of little guys. Maybe your opponent is you know playing Hydra, Tyranids. Yeah, maybe um, you kill ten out of fifteen. Yes, if you it, kill ten out of fifteen, um, you know, in, in a Hormagons or something, um, yeah. or maybe you're playing against a, a horde of uh, boys, or even if you're killing five out of ten of a Harlequin troop. Mm rolling those dice and being able to drop a couple more with mortal wounds. Yeah. It's valid. It's nice. Yeah. So, um, so I definitely, there's, you know, there's a couple of good, like, I, you know, storm malevolence. Great. Course getting hates. Great. Spy squall, I think has some play vortex terrors if you build for it. So I think overall yeah. the psychic powers are not bad. They're not bad. No, not bad at all. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are at a minute, an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, we still have relics. We still have, uh, data sheets we still have secondaries and we still have uh the stratagems the stratagems and the uh not to mention talking about more about the uh harbingers of dread so there's mm. a whole lot left in this codex to go over but we do not have time to do it today because you only make these podcasts last so long so with that uh we're gonna break real quick to go talk to uh and to get another segment from james from siege studios and then we will be back to uh close this one out James, take it away. Okay, James, I've got another question for you this week. And it's about painting in sub-assemblies or painting a miniature in whole. Obviously, I can imagine most of the people listening to this show, they want to get their models on the table as quickly as they can. So they, get, they buy it, they build the entire thing because they want to be able to, you know, practice with it before they start rocking it tournaments. But what are some, James absolute musts when it comes to sub-assemblies like what do we have to do sub-assembly what can we get away with just 
doing the model in whole? So it's a really good question. And um, what I would say is that it depends on what you want to use the model for. Obviously, if it's tournaments or for gaming and you don't mind too much um, speed, then it's not really, you don't really need to sub everything. Only, any, only anything I would say that covers detail, like a gun across the chest um, or a bare head. They're the things that typically I would always do separate. Um, purely because the face uh, attracts a lot of attention when you visually look at a miniature and it's something we instantly recognize for what it is. Um, and then a gun across a chest or something that obscures detail is just, we've all been there doing funny angles with a paintbrush trying to get this, this absolute bit of detail that's driving you nuts because you stupidly didn't didn't uh, leave it separate uh, or leave it visible. Um, we've all been there. So I'd always recommend doing things like that. Just if it covers detail or if it's a face, I'd do those separate. Um, but one of the things you've got to realize is when you do things in sub-assemblies, you're diluting your attention when it comes to painting miniature. Um, and, and the problem with that is that if you, you're painting black, for example, or you're painting red or whatever, uh, you have to times that by the amount of sub-assembly pieces that you have unless you paint that individual sub-assembly from start to finish um, uh, in one go. Um, now, I would always recommend that it's better painting batch. So if you've got lots of things to do, then I would focus on the batch of guns that cover the chest or the batch of heads so that your mind and attention is focused on the one thing. Uh, rather than sort of like, oh, I've got an arm over here, a leg over here, a head over here. Um, because you've got to remember to do the same step across all of those pieces uh, across the, the, the model as you're making it. Um, I, I personally paint as, in as much as possible in single piece. Um, yes, it is harder in some respects because you have to really be neat when you're painting certain areas. Um, again, the only things I really personally paint separate are, are heads. And if it's a detail that covers, the, the, or if it's a gun, for example, that covers the chest or something like that, that's how I tend to paint. Um, because it forces me as a painter to have to be neat. Now, if you're doing it for gaming and you just want to get the models on the table, being neat isn't so much of an importance. However, if you are, if you're really, really wanting to do like a high-end piece, or if it's a character to lead your army and you want to put a bit more time into it, then yeah, look sub it down into a few pieces if you'd like just so you can focus but the most important thing is when you do attack those pieces and start painting them to focus on the individual piece and get it done from start to finish rather than just going i'm going to paint all the black and go across all six sub assembly pieces because you will forget something They'll, the door will go or your phone will ring or something will happen and you'll the, the process will be, get interrupted and you'll not remember to do that so, so, yeah, one of the key things I'd always remember is just to not dilute your attention. I think that's super, super important. Okay, awesome. Well, James, thank you very much, mate. No worries. And I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thank you, James. That was uh, some great additional advice. Uh, love it. And uh, that is it for this week, ladies and gentlemen. We are, like I said, we're trying to do two episodes a week right now. I'm not sure when Steve is going to be back. He kind of wore himself out uh, with a whole lot of work the last couple of weeks. So, uh, I'm. My expectation is that we will he will be back later this week um, for us to finish talking about Imperial Knights. Um, Mike and I will also uh, shortly be back to finish up um, the the second half of Codex Chaos Knights. And then um, because it's June and because we're assuming that GW is going to be following the same timeline as they did last year, um, you know, the rumors abound. I don't have any evidence one way or the other, but the expectation is. Uh, that the new GT book, uh, Warzone Nephilim, is going to be out in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed. So, uh, you know, we're going to ha- obviously have to sit down and do uh, a whole episode on that one, too. So there's a whole lot to talk about. I don't know exactly what 
episode you're going to get in what order next, but get to tune in and find out uh, and see what surprises uh, that uh, GW and our podcast keep rolling out for you. So until then, this is Dave Colmel from Michael Costello saying, just remember what old Jack Burton does when the earthquakes and the poison arrows fall from the sky and the pillars of heaven shake. Yeah, Jack Burton just looks that big old storm right square in the eye and he says, give me your best shot, pal. I can take it. Have a great week, guys.